Hey everyone and welcome to episode 99 of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I am your host, or as I see it, Facilitator. Wait, 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 wait. Your tweet the other day got over 500 likes, Flash Morgan Webster. So I think that means that I'm this week's host, aren't I? Yeah, I guess you're right. Perfect! Hit my music! episode 99 of Mad Kurt's Wrestling Friends. I'm your host, or as I like to see it, greatest professional wrestler in all of professional wrestling, Mad Kurt! And today, before we get to the episode, I do need to say a little word from our sponsor, and our sponsor for this week's episode is madkurt.com. You can go over there, you can get all your favourite Mad Kurt merchandise, such as the, uh, the, the £50 pin badge, the the, the pictures of me dabbing on inflatable dolls. It's all there. It's all over at madkurt.com. But I'm not going to tell you what my social media is because you already follow me. You already know it. So, today's episode, Flash Morgan website. I've got a little bit of a difference today. Is that okay? Is that, is that all right if I change it up a little bit? Well, I guess you're in charge, aren't you? So I guess... I am the host. I am the host. So today... I think it would be good if, because uh, obviously you're Flashburger Webster, I'm Mad Kurt, so I think it might be better if if the if the guest asks the host the questions, because obviously where, where I'm the superstar and you're Flashburger Webster, you know, you, you get it. I that's not exactly how these work though. This so is... if you check your email now, I've actually sent across some questions for you to ask the host, and then and then and then you just interview me, but I'm still the host. <sighs> okay, okay, you send me an email, okay. Yeah, I sent you an email. Well, actually, you sent me 17, 17 of the same emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if you'd got it. Right, okay. So I'm, okay, so you're the host. Uh-huh. But on Mad Kurt's Wrestling Friends. Mad Kurt's Wrestling Friends. The guests ask Kurt the questions. Yes, and you're my guest. Okay. Um, I, wanted, I wanted Triple H, but I've got you. Okay, um, right then. Uh, funny, funny enough, I know this first question, so how we usually like to start these then, Mad Kurt, is what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember falling in love with wrestling? Well, obviously I I pretty much came out of the womb wrestling, but uh, my my parents didn't let me watch wrestling when I was a kid, so, uh, so I actually didn't get into it until a little bit later on when Mad Kurt was a little bit older. But my, the first match that I ever watched was John Cena versus Rob Van Dam at One Night Stand 2006. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Is that your first ever one you ever watched? That was the first match I ever watched because I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. Why were you Matt allowed to watch it? Baker, because uh, my parents didn't like it. They weren't big fans. Okay. So, so I didn't get to watch it. But then my friend brought over some DVDs one day and I watched that match. And I, I'll tell you exactly why I fell in love with it. Because hearing all of those people chanting RVD, it really reminded me of a young Mad Kurt, you know? Because I just knew that one day, people would be chanting Mad Kurt's name, like, thank you, Mad Kurt, you know? And you, you knew that from watching Rob Van Dam and, and John Cena One Night Stand? Yes. 
Yes, because I heard that obviously they couldn't really get the crowd reactions that they that they sort of wanted. Like the the crowd were quite loud, but I knew they could they could get them to that next level, and that is sort of why I decided to be a professional wrestler because I knew that I could do that because I am in fact Mad Kurt. How old were you at this point then, Mad Kurt? I was thirteen or fourteen. And did your did your friends were your friends big into wrestling at this point? Really big. Yeah, I'd always known this particular friend as the big wrestling fan of our little group. And uh, I always thought it was just rubbish because I was never allowed to watch it. I was like, ah, he watches that that wrestling stuff. But uh, I guess it is pretty cool. So at the age of 13, you discovered wrestling. But then like from that point then, did you then just start becoming obsessed with it and watching wrestling? Or how did you get, how did you get around your parents not wanting you to watch it? Well, by that point, they'd sort of relaxed the rules, but I had already like sort of decided at that point that I didn't like it because I'd never watched it. So then, when I actually got into it, I just I just started buying DVDs and just watching it more, and just seeing all the stuff that that I liked about it. Uh, so that would have been thirteen years old. You got totally into it. Who was your favorite wrestler at the time at that point? <laughs> when I was thirteen years old, my favorite wrestler was Dolph Ziggler. Why was it, why was you drawn to Dolph Ziggler? I don't know. I think I just liked his cool hair and his cool pink t-shirt. I can imagine a, a young Mad Kurt uh, walking around with bleach blonde hair and a pink t-shirt. I did. I had a, I actually had seven of the same pink t-shirt, the Dolph Ziggler t-shirt, because I wanted to wear it every single day. Uh, I, like, I like your logic. So from there, what was, what was the kind of train of thought? How did you then decide, okay, I'm going to get into wrestling? Because like, did you know there were schools around or... How did you come oh, about it? No, I had no idea. I thought it was WWE or nothing. But then uh, the Revolution Pro Wrestling School opened up that year, 20, 2012. It opened up around the corner from my house. And a few of my friends were going. And they convinced me to come along and just try it out. And then they stopped going and I didn't. And then I became the best professional wrestler in the world. Within about eight days, I think. So who was the head trainer at that point at the school? It was Andy Simmons and Marty Skirl. Mostly Andy Simmons, but Marty would take like a session a week, roughly, or one every couple of weeks. He was there quite a lot. What year would that have been? How old were you? I was 2012. I was 14, almost 15. So, yeah, 2012. So, um, now that would be 2012, so I guess the, the British wrestling scene would have kind of started to flourish a tiny bit there. Was... It was a little bit different when I started. Now, when you walked into the, the Revolution Pro School, did they have a, a fully kitted out ring and, and a matted area and stuff like that? It was a tiny square room. So, so I think it was a 16 foot by 16 foot ring. And then there was maybe two foot of walking room on two of the sides. And that was the whole room. Well, to be fair, even though that sounds small, that's still way more than like myself and like Wildborn Mark Andrews. We didn't have a ring at all, and I know a lot of other people. Oh, really? So, I guess that sort of that sort of shows with your wrestling, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I guess it does, and I guess it does show that you had the uh, the best equipment from day one. I guess mm, exactly. I had I had that that privilege, and and that's why I'm as good as I am. That's, that's very true. So when you started at Revolution Pro. Uh, were the they were running regular shows at this point? I'm guessing. Did you had you seen any of British wrestling? Or they had so they opened the school maybe like 
three weeks before it became Revolution Pro Wrestling. It was IPW at the time. Okay. And then, obviously, Andy split away and started Revolution Pro Wrestling. So I think I must have gone to the first show, or maybe the second show, for Revolution Pro Wrestling. And then, yeah, so I went, I went to Sittingbourne, and I remember the main event was Rockstar Spud versus Marty Skrull. And, yeah, and I think I went to pretty much every Rev Pro show from then on. Was that the, um, the British Boot Camp match? It was, yeah. It was just after the series. That's quite interesting, yeah. And it was the big, yeah, the big blood feud match. How did you, uh, how did you, I know you said that within eight days you became the best professional wrestler of all time, but um, before you got to day eight, uh, how did you, uh, how did you find those, those early days, that early week? How did you find those early days in that first week? It was, it was pretty easy for someone like Mad Kurt, but I could see why someone not of my ilk would struggle, if that makes sense. It, was, it wasn't easy, the sort of things we had to do. Um, and it, obviously, I, I was quite a tiny child. I wasn't the biggest dog in the fight. So uh, it was quite hard on my body for a little while. What did your parents think of, of this, considering they didn't want you watching wrestling? They couldn't have been happy when you decided to start actually wrestling. They weren't the biggest fans, no, but they, uh, they supported me with it. I was I was too young to be to have a job or anything, so they they were like paying for my sessions and stuff. So I guess if they were really against it, they didn't have to do that. How long? Uh, so I've heard different uh, different varies to this question. Some people say some people said a week. Some people have said uh, two to three years. How long was it until you had your first match? Uh, it was it was a year and a half. It was a year and a half because I, uh, Andy didn't want me to wrestle until I was 16. I remember he said that. He didn't want me to wrestle in a match until I was 16. And so my 16th birthday happened, and then like a month later was my first match, I think. Uh, who was your first match against? <laughs> it was the Revolution Rumble. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. so it was like a 30-person Royal Rumble. Zack Sabre Jr. was in it. Not at the same time as me, but he was there. Uh... I lasted longer than him. So I have no, I have, I have no, I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind that that is the case. Um, can you remember how you felt on that first match? Yeah, I felt great. I thought this is exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to do this forever. I, uh, I came out number twenty nine or something. I was real late. I came out real late, and then yeah, the crowd were just cheering away, chanting "Thank you, Madka," you know, standing ovation from everyone. I think they're about. 6,000 people there, give or take. And, yeah, they were just all over it. I, I was told once, uh, I don't know if this is true, but um, even though you hadn't began selling merchandise at this point, all 6,000 people had Mad Kurt t-shirts on. Is that true? They did. They all, they all had the, you know, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do t-shirt. Yeah. They, all had, they were all wearing that. And, I, and that's what gave me the idea for the theme song in the first place, them wearing my t-shirt with it on. It's like... Life imitating art, imitating life. It's exactly you get it, you understand. Um, how how long was it? Uh, did you wrestle at Rev Pro exclusively? Because I'm guessing with uh, the Andes kind of being in charge and the way that they do stuff, they really want you to kind of get a good grounding and fundamentals and a lot of experience under your your belt before they have you going off and doing a lot of stuff. That's how I I'd imagine it, anyways. Is that correct? I mean, I always I always had that sort of philosophy in my mind that that would be how they would be i was thinking like oh they're not going to want me to wrestle elsewhere until sort of 
they trust me enough to wrestle here. But they never, they never had that. They never said that to me. That was just sort of what I had assumed. And like, they never, they never had that conversation with me that, that first day where they were like, okay, now you can go and wrestle elsewhere. So I think I must've just taken the first outside booking that I got. And then I think, they were, I, I think I asked them if I could do it, but they were like, yeah, of course, no, we don't care. You wrestle wherever you want. Do you remember where that first outside booking was? UPW. It was in Weymouth or Yeovil, somewhere southwest. Somewhere yeah, Yeovil, it's Yeovil, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like, it was their like next generation show. So it was like, almost like a trainee show, but obviously they don't have a training school, but it was like that sort of, that sort of ilk. And I wrestled Eddie Kenway. I don't know if you know him. I don't. Well, I beat him. So that's all you need to know. Um, how long was it? Uh, I know you said by day eight that you were you were already the best professional wrestler in the world, but you were obviously quite modest. How long was it until you actually realised you were you were quite good at wrestling and you were kind of getting it and it was all clicking and coming into place? Well, uh, probably the same year that I won the the cruiserweight championship. I would imagine. Because that was when I was I was doing all the cockpit shows, all the Rev Pro shows, and that was when I was starting to wrestle like the people that I considered the real wrestlers, you know, and as opposed to like the, the trainees that I was normally wrestling. It was when I was wrestling the Chris Brooks, the the Travis Banks, you yourself, uh and people like that. And that was when I started considering myself, oh maybe I am a wrestler. Well we speak about the uh the cruiserweight championship match. Um and that was, of course, at uh, the famous York Hall. How did it feel winning the uh, the Revolution Pro uh, champ- uh, Cruiserweight Championship? Well, obviously, a, a lot of people say that winning championships is a pretty emotional process. But I think when you're when you're mad, Kurt, and you sort of just know that, come on. I'm, I mean, I, you know yourself, you were in the match. It was a five-person match. But uh, I knew that I was pretty head and shoulders above everyone else in the match. So I, I, I went in it with some confidence that I was going to win that championship. And then, like, I, I won and I was like, yeah, cool. It's good. It's heavy now. But, yeah, it's, it's all good. Now, no, no, see, that's not exactly how I remember it. Well, well why don't you tell us how so, you remember it, Flash? Okay, so how I remember it um, is that... Um, we went into this match at York Hall. I went in, of course, as champion. So thank you very much for uh, taking away my only revolution. Can you can you please tell everyone how long you held the championship before I beat you? <laughs> Probably a week, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was five days. I was. It was I a think, Sunday. I think York Hall was the Friday and the cockpit was the Sunday before. Five days. Five days. Um, but going into this match, um, you say that you were confident you were going going to win. If I remember correctly, you didn't know you were going to win. So I'm going to fill this part in for everyone at home. So um, a young Mad Kurt, or as he was known then, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dead name you, was known as Curtis Chapman. Entered your call, quite nervous, quite sheepily in this match. And you could tell it was felt like it was a big opportunity. As you said, you'd been wrestling like Travis, myself, Chris Brooks. Gave a star a few other people along the way. And you'd feel like you were getting some momentum. And you wanted to go into your call and want to prove yourself. On the on the on the plan going into it all, the winner was supposed to be one David Starr. We all knew that Mad Kurt was winning that match. 
we all knew that you were walking out as the Cruiserweight champion that day. The only person who didn't in that match was you. And if I remember correctly, the finish was um, was it your roll up you did? It was. It wasn't. It wasn't the Chapman clutch because I think you guys wanted me to do that, but you thought it would have been a bit too obvious that I was winning if, if you had called that. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I think we said yeah because so nobody, we did a small pack kicked out, nobody kicked out of it at that point. Yeah, they still haven't to this very day. So I have no doubt. Um. Uh, so I remember. I remember you winning, and I remember you getting up and turning to Chris Roberts and going, "I'm sorry." <laughs> Well, okay. Well, when you put it like that, it does sound a little bit like I didn't know I was going to win. But in my defence, you're right. Mate, seriously. And Robert's having to take your arm and going, it's okay. It's he was okay. like shouting in my face. He was like, it's legit, Curtis. It's legit. I was like, no way. I've messed it up. Don't were, tell you, Andy. Were, your parents, were your parents there? No, they weren't. Uh... They wanted to go, but they, they couldn't get to London. Ah, fair. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like if you'd known that maybe you kind of like would have tried harder to like maybe arrange yeah, it, could have gone. So, yeah. But the again, it's uh, it's it's nice to kind of it's always nice to be in, involved in those moments. I was I wasn't in the match, but I remember being at, at uh, attack when uh, Ozzy Open won the Attack Pro Wrestling Championship from CCK, I do believe, and they didn't know they were winning either. And I remember oh, them being absolutely like, what, what? And again, Chris Roberts being the man that he is. Confirming it was legit. And that, uh, it was, uh, those, those moments are the best, the best moments, I think, in wrestling. I, well, I think any surprise in wrestling is brilliant. And I think surprises that involve wrestlers, too, is, yeah. uh, is even better. Absolutely. Now, now I, know I, just, I know I just used the name Curtis Chapman. And I know that you've, um, you were saying all the way through that... Uh, that from day one you were mad, Kurt, and even even though I know, even though I know that you on some level believe that, um, I do want to ask. Um, some people have said that the decline into madness, the decline from uh, Curtis Chapman to becoming the full mad Kurt, started at Riptide Wrestling as the keyboard warrior. Would you would you agree as agree with this? Ripside Wrestling would love to take credit for that, wouldn't they? Um, I mean, I was the keyboard warrior at Ripside Wrestling, and a lot of people do paint those similarities between the keyboard warrior and Mad Kurt, but you need to remember that the keyboard warrior was Curtis Chapman. That was just who I was when I was wrestling how I wanted to and not how I felt like I was supposed to. So the things I was doing as that character were just me having fun as opposed to me being like, ah, I'm a serious wrestler and I'm going to win this match. Ah. So I guess in that sense, it is the sort of beginnings of the Mad Kurt character, because to this very day, that's how I wrestle. I just, I just wrestle however I want to wrestle and hope that people enjoy watching it. And as you know, everyone in the world does enjoy watching it. So, w- so would you say then that... Um... Lead before 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 let's call it uh, before Mad Kurt. So let's say be Mad Kurt, like a like like the timeline changed after Jesus was born. You're saying yeah. it like that. BC, yeah. So before Mad Kurt, mm-hmm. uh, BMK. Um, will you say that the matches you were wrest- the way you were wrestling then before Mad Kurt, 
you weren't wrestling the way you wanted to? Were you, were you saying that, or were you just? I wrestling? mean, I, I, I wasn't like actively deciding not to wrestle the way I wanted to wrestle. I was just wrestling the way I thought wrestling was supposed to work, and so I was like watching matches and copying stuff from matches that I saw and and then watching other matches and then asking for feedback and putting that into practice you know all, all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a wrestler instead of just going you know what I'm going I'm just going to do a match and hope it's good and then if it's bad I'll do a different match next time but if it's good maybe I'll add something to that match and do a better match next time and then that's sort of the way I wrestle now you've almost created uh, your own style of wrestling yeah i like to think so so instead of kind of taking inspiration from other, other people and trying to you know mold this and mold that you kind of go out there and you create the match that you want to create and and try to be different to anyone else on the show yeah exactly it's, it's like that uh it's that cliche isn't it you can never you can you can pick a style and you can never do it as good as the best person who does that style like I could I could choose to be a flyer, but I'll never be Will Ospreay. I could choose to be a, a technical wrestler, but I'll never be Zack Sabre Jr., even though I'm better than Zack Sabre Jr. in every way. I could. Uh, so what I did instead was I chose to look at what I do and just be the best at what I do. And I am that. And I'm also the best at what everyone else does. So I don't know why I said what I said before. Right then. Um, moving on. I know that whenever I have referred to you as Curtis Chapman in the past... Um, or anyone refers to you as Curtis Chapman in the past, you insist on telling us that Curtis Chapman is dead. Yes, Curtis Chapman is dead. So for Curtis Chapman to be dead, for a start, he had to be alive. He was alive uh, at one point, yeah. Okay, okay. If Curtis is indeed dead, the question I want to ask is how did he die and where is the body? Well, I can't tell you where the body is, but what I can tell you is that there's loads of different theories for how he died. But the one, give me me, me your top three. The top three theories on how he died. Yeah, how many theories are there? Well, hundreds, thousands. It would be the whole podcast if we went through all of them. I can give you the top one theory, which is the main theory, and it's the theory that I consider to be canon. Okay, and that that is the theory that. Whatever was left of Curtis Chapman while, while Mad Kurt was being designed, while Mad Kurt was being born, whatever hit was left of Curtis Chapman died and was extinguished by Minoru Suzuki in December of 2019. Oh. Yes. See, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because after that point, that was it. That was the turning point. So, well, well that, that being said, then, I guess that that would put you... Suzuki and almost Liger in some sort of, you know, infinite conflict. Well, yeah, that you have to you have to think what would have happened if if Mad Kurt had met Jushin Thunder Liger. And and some people some people have even said that maybe Mad Kurt is Jushin Thunder Liger, because obviously no one's ever seen Mad Kurt and Jushin Thunder Liger in the same place at the same time. And it was at the rise of Mad Kurt that Jushin Thunder Liger decided, I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see, decided to retire. So maybe Maybe that's just it, isn't it? But I can't, I can't speculate on things like that. That's fair. And well, you talk about two thousand and nine. Some say that two thousand nineteen. Uh, sorry, two thousand nineteen. I mean, some people say that two thousand nineteen was the year of Mad Kurt. What do you credit that down to, or who do you credit that down to? Uh, well, 
I have to give a good 95% of the credit to Madka, I think. I think he's done very well to do this, and I really, he's an inspiration to me. The rest of that 5% can go all over the place, and there's people all over the place that want to take that credit. You've got, you've got Dan Maloney saying he made my career, you've got people all over the place saying that they, they, have, a, they have a small part to play, and a lot of them, Maybe they, they're right in some ways. Maybe, maybe some of them don't, do have that part to play. Maybe Dan Maloney did come up with the name. Maybe, maybe Shah Samuels did give me that pep talk in Wagamama once. You know, All of these things did happen. But I think uh, a lot of the credit needs to go to Chris Brooks because we, we were playing video games once and I was being my, my mad Kurt self, just, just talking to him and my friends the, the way I always do. And he just, he just turned around and said, why do you wrestle like a boring loser and not how you talk to us? And that just sort of, that, that got to me and I was like, oh, maybe I could just wrestle the way that I actually am. And then I sort of re- started wrestling like that and it obviously worked and I became the best. So I think a lot of credit has to go to him, but a lot of people will, will take a lot of credit and maybe some of it's deserved, except for Dan Baloney, he's a loser. Where, where was the first, where did Mad Kurt first appear? Where, where was the first actual... You know, called Mad Kurt. Where did he actually? What show or what promotion? Uh, called Mad Kurt. I think it must have been Attack. It must have been the Dome. I think if I was called Mad Kurt that day at, at the Dome show when I wrestled, it was a scramble match with Gene Money, Elijah, Mike Bird, Joe Nelson, Aki, and that might have been it. I think I was called Mad Kurt that day. If not, it was it was definitely an attack show. Definitely. I know that it was some time before you um, be- you fully became Mad Kurt at Revolution Pro. Why was why was that one of the last places? Considering that's kind of your home promotion, why was that one of the last places for you to fully become Mad Kurt? Well, that was just uh, that was the place that I had always had my 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 best matches, let's say. That was the place where I'd always had the, the big serious matches. I'd done four or five matches with Chris Ridgway that I really enjoyed. I'd done lots of matches with guys like yourself, Chris, Travis, Aussie Open, the Rascals, all kinds of matches. And I just think I didn't want that to be like the end. I, to end. I didn't, want, I didn't want my whole body of work to just disappear in an instance. But then I realised that my whole body of work sucked and I'm really good now. So I called out Minoru Suzuki on the internet and the rest is history. How, how let's, let's talk about that because I, I remember like, I remember you in waves. And again, I was at the attack shows when like Mad Kurt was becoming a thing. And I know that like, it was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, you know, Kurt is trying something different. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's being Mad Kurt, but it wasn't until you called out Suzuki that I really thought to myself, this boy has completely lost his mind. <laughs> this lad is Mad Kurt. Yeah. Where did, where did one? Where did that idea come from? And two, why did you even think it was a good idea? Well, I, I, so Andy announced. Well, Rev Pro announced that Minoru Suzuki was coming to, to their show, Uprising, in December. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if I just tweet Mad Kurt versus Minoru Suzuki? Just, like, to tease people, really. Obviously, I knew it would never happen. 
But if I just tweet it, then people will want to see it. I know they'll want to see it. And so I tweeted it, and it got a few hundred likes, and I realized that people really did want to see it. So I screenshotted my own tweet, and I sent it to Andy Quilden, and I said, make it happen. And he said, <laughs> and he said I'm currently in talks with someone else for the Suzuki match, but if that falls through, then maybe. And I was like, well, obviously, I'm just going to have to start pushing it now, aren't I, Andy? Look what you've done there. And uh, obviously, eventually, he did get the other match. He got that crazy dream New Japan tag team match for Minoru Suzuki, but I didn't stop calling him out. So, But then, like, you know his track records. Why did you think it was a good idea? Oh, why, why did I think it was a good idea to step into the ring with Minoru Suzuki? Because he is known for being this hard man, this, this guy that beats people up, this guy who doesn't take anything. Uh, he uh, is scary, that a lot of people think. I think it's because I know that I'm the best professional wrestler in the world and that he is more than likely scared of me. Like, Minoru Suzuki fears Mad Kurt. And that was proven to me when he didn't accept my match. So you took it upon yourself to step in the ring with him. Exactly. It was and exactly. Fight yeah, because I, I wanted I wanted him to I wanted to prove to him that he could go there, that he, he could step in the ring with the likes of Mad Kurt. And I think he left Uprising that day more confident in his own ability. And you're welcome, Minoru Suzuki, for that. Um well yeah, I was I was I was gonna ask how it went, but I think nothing could be put more perfectly than you saying that he left that day feeling a lot more confident in his own ability than when he walked into your call. I think I think that sums it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Speaking about people and uh, fearing Mad Kurt, uh-huh. uh, you've recently turned your full attention, uh, not, not 50% of your attention, not 75% of your attention, but seemingly 100% of your attention to Dan Maloney. You did mention Dan. Um, I just want to know, like, why? Why so much animosity towards Dan Maloney? Why so much hatred? Why, why are you, uh, why are you fixated on uh, on Dan Maloney so much at the why, moment? Why, why do I hate Dan Maloney so much? You're expecting me to say it's because he represents everything I hate about professional wrestling. You're expecting me to say that I've got this animosity towards him that I hate him as a person, I hate him as a wrestler, I hate his style, I hate his attitude. But the truth is, Flash Morgan Webster. I just find it really funny to tweet mean things about Dan Maloney <laughs> because what happens is I think of something funny to tweet and I think, oh, that would be really that would be really mean to say about someone. Who could I possibly say that about? I know I could say that about Dan Maloney because it's true. He is a loser. And then what happens is I tweet it. Let's say I tweet it at 12 p.m. lunchtime. I'll tweet it at 12 p.m. at one o'clock, two o'clock, half two and three o'clock. I can guarantee that there will be four Dan Maloney tweets calling me out and getting annoyed at me. And I just find it so funny to read through on my Twitter because he loves tweeting about me once he's upset. Once I've upset him with one tweet, he'll he'll try and upset with me with five and I'll ignore it and that makes it even angrier. So your entire your entire kind of reason behind it is nothing more than deriving pleasure from the fact that it gets totally under Dan Maloney's skin and ruins his day. Absolutely. I just like, I like thinking to myself, sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night, it'll be like three in the morning and I'll think to myself, oh, 
I wonder if Dan Maloney's annoyed at me right now. And then I'll go on Twitter and I'll see that at two in the morning he's tweeted something mean about me just because he woke up and it was in his head. And I'm like, ah, yes, good. The last thing Dan Maloney thinks about before he goes to sleep is Mad Kurt. Just what I always wanted. So, as I said, a lot of people consider 2019 has been the year of Mad Kurt. Uh, at the moment, of course, uh, pressing times this year is kind of on, on, on hopes. Um but hopefully we'll be getting back to normal as soon as possible. What, what is next for Mad Kurtz? You, you, you're a man. You're a man of great precision. You're a man who kind of plans and kind of thinks ahead. And I know that you've said on many occasions to me that world domination is something that you definitely want to achieve. Uh, Absolutely. Before your thirtieth birthday. Um. So what? Apart from world domination, what? What is next for Mad Kurtz? Well, if I haven't if I haven't managed to run for prime minister by the end of the year, that's definitely on the cards for a future year. But uh, I think I think what we all need to realise is that Madka is is obviously a very good professional wrestler, and Madka is very big in professional wrestling. Probably the biggest thing there is in professional wrestling. But I also want people to understand that Madka transcends professional wrestling. Like like it's great within within that little bubble of professional wrestling. Madka is fantastic and it's lovely. But Madka is also going to be a mainstream superstar and it's going to be the most famous person that's ever existed in the world. So there's that. And I'll probably achieve that probably by September, I'd imagine. But if not, then within the next couple of years, for sure. How do you, how do you go about doing that, though? You talk about transcending professional wrestling. Of course, we've seen like the likes of, you know, The Rock and like Hulk Hogan, and they've transcended it, and even John Cena as well. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you plan to do that? Well, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to look at at the famous people in the world. I'm going to look at who I dislike the most, and then I think what I'm going to do is just like I made Dan Maloney relevant. I think I'm just going to make them relevant. I'm just going to tweet some mean things about someone. So I don't know who, but maybe you've got some ideas of some famous people that that you want to see fight Mad Kurt. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know if I just tweet like Mad Kurt versus KSI or something. You know, I'll just you know how it is. Well, to be fair, he has done a professional boxing match, so maybe potentially that is something that could be totally on the cards. Well, there you go. That's it. Mad Kurt versus KSI. Book it. Yep. Uh, again, anyone who's listening to the podcast, please be sure to to uh, tweet KSI and tell him that you want to see him versus Mad Kurt and this, this make it happen. I know that Andy Quilden will definitely book that match once this is all over. Andy Quilden would absolutely book that match. He wouldn't, he wouldn't book it at your call, though. He'd book it in Huntingdon, so you need to be there for it. Um... How how it was said, said on this on this email here. Um, how I usually like to finish these up, as if you do these podcasts every week. Um, is you if you if Mad Kurt could go back and give Mad Kurt advice, what would it be? But also, if he could go back and give Curtis Chapman advice, so I guess that's two parts. What would you give, what advice would you give to Mad Kurt if you could go back and give yourself advice? And what advice would you give to Curtis Chapman if you could go back and give yourself advice? If I if I could go back and speak to Mad Kurt. I would. I think I'd just give him a crisp high five. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dab on him. I would give him the first. The first one. I would give him a crisp high five. If I could go back and talk to Curtis Chapman, it would be. I think it would just be stop being a loser, because I think Curtis Chapman was a loser, and I think now he's cool because he's mad Kurt. I think. Uh, I think that's. That's. Uh, that's perfect. Um, as for the question you sent me, that does wrap them all up. Is there anything else that you would 
like me to ask you about? That I would like to be asked. Yeah. I, I, I think you should ask me for some advice for you, Flash Morgan Webster. Um, I think that would be absolutely perfect because, you know, we can always grow. We can always learn. So, um, Mad Kurt, if you could give me any advice going forward, what would it be? I, I think that you should get better. And then once you're the best, I think you should win some championships, some more championships. So your advice is get better, win matches, win goals. Yes. Yes, if you can, if you can do that, it I might would... be a long, it might be a long process for someone. Yeah, it might be a long process, but but I think you can get there if you really work hard and listen to me. Um, I think that that's absolute stellar advice, and I think uh, once it's all over, I will definitely try my hardest to get better and to win more matches. We can all, we can all, well, apart from you, we can all win more matches, I guess. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, Chris, it's been absolutely great to be a guest on your wrestling friends um, yeah yeah i you've been you've been you've been okay you've been okay hopefully in the future i'll have some better guests on but but for now that was that was fantastic thank you i wish you all the best of luck in all in all you try and achieve in professional wrestling and if you want to now would be a perfect time for you to push your social media because obviously i know i know everyone already follows me but i don't know if everyone that listens to this podcast follows you so it'd be great to get you some new followers so go for it oh i'm i'm absolutely flattered for that for that so yeah um if if you've enjoyed the podcast please be sure to go rate subscribe review tell a friend we are of course available on soundcloud stitcher podcast addict and now spotify uh if you've enjoyed the podcast please be sure to tweet myself and mad kurt of course mine is flash underscore morgan on the twitter i am facebook.com forward slash flash morgan web so on the facebook I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram, so drop me a little story there. Or if you want to send me a little discreet message or, you know, 17 emails like Mad Kurt did this week, then please send me an email at flashmorganatlive.co.uk. So that's all my socials. And please remember, rate, subscribe, review. Let's, uh, let's keep building this audience. I uh, really appreciate you uh, you allowing me to do that, Mad Kurt. Um, thank you. You're very welcome. Do you want me to give the viewers your home address as well? Um, no, that that's that's good. We can we can lay we can lay that one off. That'll be okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, what about so, your personal phone number? No, no, that's good as well. Please. Um, okay. I, um, the worst decision of my life this week was uh, you having my number because, of course, I had forty-two missed calls. Okay. Um, All right. Do you want to sign out or? Do I sign uh, out? Or... I, I'll, I'll sign out because I've got, I've got one thing that everyone needs to remember. I've got one thing that's going to get us all through these trying times. That One thing that everyone needs to remember to get through this. And we need to all remember that I'm Mad Kurt! <laughs> <laughs>